brand new series. And in this series called Baggage, uh, is anybody, can you relate to baggage in your life? Anybody, can you relate? It's, uh, it's a pretty comedic thing in ways because we've all got it. And uh, it's a great way to begin to build a picture of what this looks like to use baggage as a metaphor for some of the struggles that we go through because we all have them. We all have baggage. And today, I, I don't want to delay with any jokes or anything because I really have something really important for you that I, I directly, uh, well, I'll tell you about that in just a moment. You know what? God is faithful. And even when life is difficult, God will meet you in that moment. But you have to make room for that. And today as we jump into this, would you do me a favor? Would you just stand to your feet? We're going to read the Word of God together and we're going to stand in honor of that. And turn your Bible, turn in your Bibles over to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, we're going to look in two places. Uh, we'll be in Luke and then in Hebrews. But in the book of Luke, chapter 27 and maybe 28, yeah, we'll do 28 too. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. After these things, and let me just set this up, Jesus has just healed people. It's been one of those amazing moments, those Jesus moments, you know. And after all this has happened, and the statement leading into this is, and they talked about the strange things that had happened. You know, when God shows up, what do you think the world's going to think about it? I mean, think about that for a moment. So many times we think, no, 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 those the things when God does miracles, it shouldn't be strange to the world. Things of God look strange. But now, all this has happened, this miracle has happened, and now we find this moment where it says, after these things, he, Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And read that again. And he said to him, follow me. Verse 28. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. There's so much we're going to learn from this today. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments, I pray, God, you would speak to us through your word. Lord, we have so many needs. There's so many challenges that we're all facing. And Lord, so many of us are looking for answers. And Lord, today I thank you that you have the answers. So today as we sow the seed of your truth, your word, I pray, God, it finds fertile soil in each of our hearts. And I pray, God, not only do we have a harvest of good, that comes back into our, into our lives because of that seed. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would convict us of places where we're failing, where we're missing the mark. We say that because, God, we want to be better. We want to walk before you with honor. So, Lord, thank you. And, Lord, I pray this. As we leave our time together today, we will leave changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. 
Man, baggage is one of those funny, funny things, you know. Uh, you know, Tawana, we used to, she likes like really colorful luggage, you know. She's always trying to buy it, find something that's really bright and all this stuff. And, and I remember one time I was on a trip by myself. I was out speaking somewhere and, uh, and I didn't have, we couldn't find my baggage, so I had to use her baggage, you can, oh, so you can imagine, right? So here I am, I'm on the carousel, I'm standing around with all these guys. I don't know if it's like redneck convention or what, but we were all standing there, and, uh, and I'm thinking, I gotta get my bag, I gotta get out to the car, I gotta, you know, so you're thinking about all these things, and all of a sudden, the bags start coming around, and I see Tawana's bag, my bag, drop down out of the chute in the midst of all these like camo bags and throw bag, all these different things. And it rolls around and it's like uh, pink and all this stuff. And I'm like going, oh, great. So I have to reach in there in front of all these guys and grab my pink baggage with all the macho-ness I can muster and walk out with my head lifted high. Baggage can be crazy, man. And the truth is, is a lot of times in our lives, we're carrying baggage that we're not even supposed to carry. And today I want to talk about that. So Friday night, as I was praying through the final parts of of the message today, God woke me up literally in the middle of the night and spoke something very serious to my heart. This is something that doesn't happen all the time to me. But when he did, and he does, I pay attention and here's what it was in a nutshell. There's some of you here today, there are some of you that are hearing this today, and you want to serve God with everything inside of you. You love God. But there's this one thing that's keeping you from committing. There's one thing that's keeping you from the, a life of obedience. Maybe it's some kind of secret sin. Maybe it's just some kind of guilt. Maybe it's an anger issue. Maybe it's something, but it's baggage in your life that you've refused to let go. And here's what the Lord's saying. That next level, that next place I have for you, that blessing that you've been looking for, maybe it's that breakthrough you've been looking for, you're right at it and he wants to open that door, but he has a requirement of you. You need to lay it down at the cross. And I'm telling you right now that this is a very powerful statement that I'm making in this. If you want that for your life, if you're ready for that breakthrough, you're going to have to be man or woman enough to face your sin. You're going to face the things that you know that aren't accurate in your life. And I'm talking not the thing that you're always convicted about because here's what happens. In life, we begin to tolerate sin. We talked about this last week just a bit. We begin to tolerate behaviors. We begin to tolerate things in our lives to the point that we're not as convicted about it as we once was. And I'm here to tell you, this is what God is saying to you. You want the door to open? You want the next level of your relationship with God? You want to live a life of obedience like he's called you to live? Lay it down. So when I look at this passage, I love this because for some of us in Luke, in this passage that we just read, the tax collector Levi uh, is is Matthew. Later on, you'll find him in the Bible known as Matthew, and, and it's a fascinating story because he offers and makes this statement just like he makes to every one of us. It says, follow me, follow me. 
And I love the fact, now, now it's not like Levi at the time isn't aware of who Jesus is or what's going on. No, he was part of all this. He saw all this going on in the city, all these things. And God obviously had been working on his heart. And Jesus walks up to him at his job and says, follow me. I love the response that he gave. There was not a word spoken apparently or anything. What does it say he did? He got up and he followed. He left all. As you begin to read, read into the story, he had a serious choice to make. And I have to ask you, what do you think? Do you think that perhaps Levi, soon to be Matthew, do you think for perhaps that this man had some thoughts going through his mind of like, you know, this guy's it's awfully cool and I, and I have all this, but you know, how am I going to take care of my stuff? I've got bills to pay. I've got a life. I've worked hard to get where I'm at. I've got things that I like in my life. And he's saying, walk away from it and follow me. You know, later in the book of Luke, I think it's chapter nine, there's another man that comes up to Jesus and says, I wanna follow you. And when Jesus says, follow me, he's the one that responds and says, I want to, but let me go take care of some stuff. There are several of them. Let me go take care of this. One man said, let me go uh, bury my father. And what script, because it sounds awfully cruel, but when you read into the context of the scripture, you realize that probably the dad wasn't even, hadn't perished yet. He was wanting to go take care of all these things and get everything in order. And then when it was fitting into his schedule, then I can follow you. So there's a great contrast between those who are used by God and that walk a life of obedience and those who don't. And the key factor in this is always, am I willing to let it all go? And today, that let it all go, I want to talk to you about the simple things in our life. What is it that keeps hindering you from living a life of obedience? What is it that keeps you, that keeps you from being the best that God's called you to be? What is it that, that particular sin that you keep dealing with over and over that particular emotion, whatever it is that keeps you from running the race of faith like you should. You see, the problem is in, in our culture, we would rather not talk about things like this and just sketch right past them. But that's not fair because if we don't learn to do what Scripture tells us to do and, and to understand this is what is required of the believer, if we don't have that brought to us and we don't we aren't challenged to confront these things in our lives, then, then how can we be the church that God's called us to be? How can we be the people that God's called us to be? So today, I look at that, and it brings me back to another scripture. So, so let me tell you how this worked. So I was, had a whole message built around Matthew's decision, Levi's decision, and then Friday night comes. And he drops this scripture in my heart that we've talked about a million times. And it's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We've read this so many times. So therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, as I'm going through this, I'm sitting there because when God woke me up, I was wide awake, so I 
climbed out of bed, opened my Bible, and I'm reading, and, and this is where God brought me. And I think it's something very powerful that we need to see in that verse prior to that. So go back to verse 1 for me, where, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let me just say this really quickly. Uh, what we see this theologically, it's not talking about all the people from the past, all the great saints are standing there watching you do your uh, run your race. Basically, what it's saying is simply this, is that their witnesses, their testimony of what God has allowed them to do, a testimony of great faith, of being able to accomplish in the midst of difficult things. It's a testimony that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you need to lay down, you are able to. You can do it. You can overcome this. I love this. So, this is, so by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And this is the part that I want to look at right now. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. What do you think weight could be in the terms of what we're discussing right now? Your baggage. The stuff in your life that you're not willing to lay down. You're trying to run a race carrying weight that you weren't meant to carry. Some of you are walking around with guilt. That's not yours. Some of you are walking around in condemnation because you can't be perfect. Well, welcome to the crowd. Some of you are beating yourself up because of the failures in your life. We are human. There are failures. There's enough failure in this room for, for us to talk about for years to come. If not for the grace of Christ... But these weights, this baggage that we can't, it says, let us lay aside every weight. But here's the key that I got out of this verse that I really want you to get today. It's this idea of laying aside. Laying aside the baggage, laying aside the weight. And I'm a picture person, so when I see this lay aside every weight, we think about chains being broken off of people. Chains being broken off. It's like, man, I've been struggling with this for so long. I've been struggling with this temptation. I've been struggling with this anger, this resentment, whatever that is, this fear. And God breaks it off of me. I'm, I'm getting rid of it. I'm getting rid of it. It's down. It's at my feet. I am not picking it up. I'm leaving it at the altar, so to speak. All those things. But the problem is that in our lives, sometimes I believe we bring our problems, we bring our issues, we bring our struggles, and we, we lay them down. But the Bible's a little more specific. Because when we go back to the original word and to the Greek word, I won't try to go through all that, but when these words are, it's two words that have been combined. And when we see these words combined, it creates a picture of somebody laying something down while at the same time pushing it far away from them. See, too many of us are willing to lay something down but we lay it down where it's very convenient for us to reach back down and pick it up. And some of you have continually, if we're being honest as believers, we've continually, oh, I'll lay it down. God, I'm so sorry, I'm repenting, I'm so sorry. But first let me tell you something, there's a difference between being sorry and repentance. Repentance is when you've dealt with the being sorry, but you're saying, no, I'm not doing this again. I'm turning around and I'm going the other way. But so many of us try to make it easy, so we just lay it down. And then before we leave, 
we pick it back up, and we walk back out with it. See, what the Bible's speaking here is this. When we lay it down, when we lay it, we don't just lay it down. We lay it aside. We, in other words, we're pushing it away from ourselves so that it's not so convenient to pick up. And too many of us walk through life with everything piled around us or we're trying to run this race with stuff we've not even laid down at all. Some of us in this room, you're, you're carrying guilt, as I said, that's not yours to carry. Some of you are angry. Because life hasn't worked out the way you thought it should. Some of you have walked around with deep hurts from your past. And I get it because you know the truth is life's just not fair. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in our lives. And some of you are walking wounded, man. I mean, you are, you are carrying a load and it's understandable. But what I can tell you is God has made provision so that if you're feeling those things in your life and you can't let go of those anger issues, you can't let go of the hurt, you can't let go of the anxiety, you can't let go of those things, I'm here to tell you something. Yes, you can. And I'd even go as far to say this. If we read the scripture correctly, we must. Because you can't carry it. Let me give you an example. I've watched a lot of people over my years, and, and I've seen people that have come out of a, a divorce situation, and now they're in another relationship, and they're, they get married and all this stuff. And, you know, we're not talking about the past, but we're talking about the current. And they get into that wedding relationship or that marriage relationship, and they're moving forward. But the problem is they take the baggage of what this person did to them, and they carry it over into the new relationship the person that, was, that is now had absolutely nothing to do with. But yet, well, he hurt me that way, so I'm expecting you to hurt me that way. You see what I'm saying? So we choose to carry these things in our lives. How about this? You know what? I love God. I've tried to serve God, but I've failed him so many times. If I come back to him, if I surrender this, I just don't want to fail him again. You see, these are things of baggage in our lives. These are the things that we all carry. And we have to learn, God, I can't carry this anymore because I don't have all the answers. Can I tell you right now, it's okay to not have all the answers. Sometimes you just gotta do the next right thing. And where do we find the next right thing? We find it in scripture. So my challenge to you through these words is to say, let me lay it aside, let me push it away from me, the stuff that keeps making me stumble, the stuff that keeps me from being everything God's called me to be, from having the joy that I have in my life. Let me tell you, yesterday is gone. You're not getting it back. So why dwell on what you had instead of what you have? Why carry baggage and hurts that you have no control over. Now, I know that we're sitting here and we go, Pastor, that's easy to say, much harder to do. I totally agree. Because when God woke me up, he reminded me of some stuff in my own life that I've been carrying for years. I don't know if you've ever had those middle-of-the-night prayer meetings at your place. And you're kind of angry at God at first. You're a little irritated. I don't say angry. A little irritated at God because, like, you know, it's 3 a.m., God. Because you woke me up now, ain't no sense going back to sleep. And God begins to deal with you and show you and reveal, you, reveal things to you. It's that moment. Can I tell you, when God convicts you of this, deal with it. 
If today, while I've been talking, just in the short time that I've been sharing this with you, if you're already experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're feeling that draw, don't dismiss it. But you say, Pastor, you're just talking to people that don't know Jesus. No, I'm talking to the church. Because that's the problem in our churches is we're not hearing about conviction enough. We're not hearing about the fact that we're all human and we all deal with sin. We all miss the mark at times. But if we just ignore it, then we're never gonna be better. And how are we gonna be the people that Jesus is coming back for if we don't be better? As we read down in the scripture, where it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set for us in verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. This is the part I want to share in the last part of this. And then I'm going to give you a couple things to walk with. Even Jesus didn't like the situation and circumstances that he was thrust into. I don't think Jesus was very excited about going to Calvary. I don't think he was very excited about walking down the streets and letting people spit on him and the people that, he'd given his, that he was giving his life for, that he had done nothing but good for them. I don't think he was looking forward to that moment. But yet he persevered because he understood the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? The joy was the victory over death, hell, and the grave. The joy was the fact that, you know what, I am now the sacrifice for all these people that I love. They may be jerks right now, but you know what, I'm giving everything for them so that they can have the opportunity to change their lives, that they can have an opportunity to make heaven their home, to make their eternal existence matter more. This is he endured it, even despising the shame. See, some of you, you're at the place of, well, I'm despising my shame. I despise it. I don't like the way that I am. I don't like that I feel these things. I don't like that I can't let it go. But can I tell you the truth? As a grown-up believer, sometimes you've got to walk wounded. Sometimes you've got to be able to be man or woman enough to say, you know what? I know it hurts. I know I'm carrying this. And when I say walking wounded, here's what I need you to see. Is what I'm saying, walking wounded. I'm not saying that you just keep carrying it and lugging it along. No, you can't run a race carrying that baggage. You've got to lay it down and then start the process of letting God heal you. Letting God strengthen you. But I'm going to tell you something. We give the Hebrew children, we give the Hebrew people in the Old Testament during the Exodus, we give them a real hard time. It's like, man, they, they were just, as even Moses said, God, you gave me this stiff-necked people. Right? They are stubborn. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I think you might have been in the Old Testament. But anyway, I'm telling you, we are so stubborn. You know why? Because we don't want to be told that we're wrong. See, have you ever met that person? You know, they're just, you just know they're wrong. They are just blatantly wrong. And you say, that's not right. And you present the right answer. And what happens to them? They never receive it. As a matter of fact, now you're enemy number one. See, we live in that kind of world. But let's not be believers who reject the truth of his word. Because if we reject the truth of his word, can I ask you this? Are we really believers? 
So when we come to this, I think it's fascinating to get a picture of this. So what does it come to? We really need to be able to check our baggage. I don't know if you've ever been to the airport. When me and Tawana travel, it's just stressful. Because Tawana's, she, she, man, she can get it all into one suitcase, but she makes me take a big one too, right? Now, I don't take that much stuff typically, and she, hers is heavy. It's like I'm going, man, it's at the limit. I'm like stressing. I'm like, well, they're going to put that. It's going to like 150 pounds. You know, it's like a, we're, we're going to have to pay extra, or they're going to make us open them and transfer everything. And sometimes that's what she'll do. She'll put half of her stuff in mine and all that, so they act weekly. Now, here's why she does that. Because she goes, well, when we go somewhere, I'm going to want to buy something. And I need something to put it in. So when we're going to the airport, it's stressful. Because I'm like trying to, you know, you got to get out in a heartbeat. You know, you get out and everybody's honking because they want your spot to get in. And you're trying to get all the baggage in. And, and you're trying to do it right. So you got your carry-on stuff. And you got your bags. And you're thinking, did I get everything? Did I leave anything in the car before I go? Because if you've ever done that, I've done that before. You get down the road. You get on inside. And you get through security. And you realize, I left my phone in the car. So you call the driver and you're calling him saying, hey, hey, the phone's in there. I've already seen it, Pastor. I'm coming, circling back around. So you got to go back out and get the phone and then go back through security again. It's great. But it's stressful. But there's something really freeing about once you get that baggage there and they put the tags around it and it goes bye-bye. It's like, oh, now I can just cruise I can just walk through the line. I just got to take my shoes off and, and, you know, pray they don't make me take my shirt off and everything else they can make you do out there now. But the truth is, in your life, we, got, we need to learn to spiritually check this stuff. We need to let it go. We need to lay it aside. And as I, I look at this, it reminds me of Romans 12 too. These are all scriptures that we, we know really well, where the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Why is this so important? Because this is dealing directly with your baggage, your hurt, your pain, your struggle, the things you don't want to let go of. That's what I'm telling you. How does the world deal with it? They store it up, they store it up and they pile it on until they can't carry it anymore. And then they go to counseling and a poor counselor is trying to unpack 60 years of your craziness and you're trying to unpack it, but you won't, still won't. You won't let it go. Why? Because you're not renewing your mind. That's how you get healing. You allow God to renew your mind. You say, well, how am I supposed to do that? I'm gonna give you two simple prayers today. Two simple prayers. They're not statements their prayers. And it's simply this. When you have come to the place where you say, God, I'm laying aside my struggle. I'm laying aside my hurt because I can't do this anymore. I don't want to walk with the guilt anymore. I want that open door you have for me. I want that next level you have for me. And I cannot keep doing this. The first key prayer that I have for you is real simple. God, help me renew my mind with truth. What is the truth? So you weigh your, your anger, you weigh your hurt, you weigh your baggage against what the word of God says. See, your baggage would say you're not smart enough. 
You're not good enough. You've been through too much. You're too big of a mess. But you let God renew your mind with the truth of what his word says. His word says, you are called. You are set apart for a purpose. I have forgiven you. You are now my son and daughter. He'd go further to say, you are my precious son or daughter. He would say, you're an heir to the promise. I have given you my spirit so that you can overcome. I am with you. And when we see that, we realize, God, that is the truth. The truth is the person you can't seem to forgive, you're not hurting them by not forgiving them. You're just weighing on the emotional baggage in your own life to the place where you can't run your race. So in that aspect, you realize forgiveness isn't really for them, it's for you. I've got to lay it aside and say, God, help me. Do you know how many times I've been, I've been walking for, with God for a long time, but can I tell you there's a lot of times in my life that I'm saying, God, help me. You know, God, renew my mind. When that person comes in and they're complaining about the same thing in their life they've been complaining about for the last 10 years, renew my mind, God. God, what about me? Renew my mind and that thing, that besetting sin that keeps sneaking up in my life and I act like it takes me off guard, but I know it's not taking me off guard. It's getting me because I've allowed it to get me. God, help me renew my mind with the truth, your truth. I love that. You say, well, how do I do that? It's really simple. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, 8. This is probably one of the simplest messages you've heard in a long time ago, but sometimes the simplest ones are the ones that we really need to apply big time. It says, what are we supposed to think? How do I renew my mind? Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, that process of renewing your mind is you've got to stop dwelling on what happened and start looking at what is here. What are the possibilities? What is my potential? Who does God say that I am? Can I just give you an aside that's not in the notes? Is this. You say, Pastor, I'm struggling walking through this stuff. I This, me, this church, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe in the filling of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that disappeared with the apostles. It didn't just go away. It's still active today. And you say, how do you know? When you see people healed, when you see the power of God at work, when you see those things, and when you read the scripture, he is still doing that today. And you say, well, how do I get over this stuff? The power of the Holy Spirit So what is that for? You've heard me say it a million times. Why is the Holy Spirit here? What is part of his purpose? His purpose is simply this, to empower you to do what you cannot do on your own. You say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't have the strength to do this. Yes, you do. Why? Because it's not your strength alone. You You know what's required of you? Your will. I'm amazed when I see people make up their mind to do something. When they make up their mind to do something. I'm going to tell just this quick story and I'll move on and give you the next prayer. Is 
I had a friend, and, and he was, and one of his dreams was to compete in a bodybuilding competition. And uh, as as he went through those things, I, I've known him. Well, it was it was Grant Ross, and I'm sitting here saying this like y'all don't know, uh, you know. And he he had dreamed of doing this thing, you know, and, and we'd been working out for a long time together. And, you know, that's why we look so much alike and our physiques are pretty close to the same. He slacked off a little bit, but anyway, no, when, when, when he wanted to do this, it was a commitment. It was a commitment. I told him, I said, Hey, I'm going to follow along with you as best I can. Right. Yeah. That didn't last very long because when he was eating the same stuff every day, is chicken for breakfast, chicken and for lunch, six times a day, and it was the same stuff, chicken and broccoli, chicken and broccoli, tilapia and broccoli. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Let's go to, let's go to Burger King. You know, it's like, I, there's some struggles in that, but it wasn't just that. He had to commit to a lifestyle. He had to let some stuff go, and it wasn't easy. It was that thing of training your mind, of, of not doing the things you knew you couldn't do, of pushing yourself when you didn't want to push anymore. And that's what I want you to see today. To get to the place that you want to be, it's not going to just be a walk in the park, everybody. It's going to take your will. You've got to decide, no, no, no. I will not be overcome by that temptation anymore. I will not allow hate to enter my life anymore. I'm renewing this. I'm, and I'm saying it like this for some of us old timers. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I take authority over my thoughts. I take authority over my actions right now. And I plead the blood of Jesus over my thoughts, over my mind, over my emotions. That's what we need. But I love that prayer because it says, God, help me renew my mind with truth. And there's another prayer. The only reason I share these with you is because these are the ones I use. I know they're fancy. I mean, I know you're thinking some King James, big, you know, prophetic. Nope, pretty simple. I'm a simple guy. God, restore in me what I've lost. God is such a God of grace. You may think that you've totally screwed up what God had for you. But what I can tell you this is when you begin to pray and you lay those things down and you say, God, restore to me what I've lost. His heart is to give you everything. His heart is to give you the path to the dream that he placed in your heart long ago. The requirement is that you're man or woman enough to confront the conviction, to deal with the sin, and say, I'm laying it aside. No more. I'm not dealing with it anymore. And it starts with that decision. It starts with a simple decision. Restore me what I have lost. Maybe it's not the same, complete same situation, but here's what I know about God. I love biblical restoration because biblical restoration isn't, you know, like when you have a loss and, and insurance has to cover that loss. 
Y'all know how this works, right? It's like, so you call it in and they say, well, what was the value of this? And then they look it up and they see the value and then they drop it down because this the depreciated value. And so it's about a half of what it was actually worth. And now you got to go beg them and prove that, no, this is what it was. So they can, you can access the depreciated part. It's a mess. It's not how God works. His restoration is he makes it better than it was. So what you think you've lost, God wants to restore to better than it was. But you've got to make the decision. You've got to have the will to say, I cannot go there anymore. Psalms chapter 71, and I'm getting ready to close. Psalm chapter 71 says, you've allowed me, uh, chapter tw- verse 20, you've allowed me to suffer much hardship. <laughs> Can anybody feel that scripture? God, I've felt some hardship in my life. I have felt this. He goes on to say this, I think it's so great. But you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. No matter how low you feel, no matter how lost you think you are, God says, I will pick you up. I will carry you. Remember what John 10.10 says. For the thief comes, not, comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life abundantly or life to the full. How are you going to access that abundant life when you're not willing to lay down the one thing that's keeping you from that life? See, pastor, I want to. Then do it. Make up your mind. You know, there's a, a thought, a teaching that... I've heard, and me and other pastors have talked much about it, and it's the deception of false conversion. Because somebody feels guilty about a sin, they say a prayer. Now they're saved. Or are they? Why do I say that? Because some of us are going through life and we're saying, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, but our life has not changed. Let me tell you, conversion is when you change. God enters into you, he, he comes into your life, you change. You don't go back, to, you don't feel the same about things anymore. All of a sudden, when you sin, you feel guilty about it. You feel convicted about it. And it's the same as we look in the scripture and say, well, how am I going to have this abundant life? You've got to deal with your sin. It's the same way. It's not just pretty words. It's about the decision in our heart. It's about a real motive to say, God, I need to be more like you. I need you to change me. And I think then it comes down simply to this. And there's this picture in my head of Psalms chapter 23. You all know Psalm 23? The 23rd Psalm, it's been said all over the place. It's a beautiful passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. (laughs) He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Wow. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Why, wait a minute. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. So here's the picture I see about the paths of righteousness. 
there's this long path, this hillside. And at the top of this hillside, there's a cross. Down at the bottom of that path, at the bottom of that hillside, there are countless bags, countless baggage. Your sins, people's sins, who have come to the foot of the cross and laid them down. The path of righteousness is that narrow path to the cross. And today, I can tell you this. That path of righteousness is available to you. But you've got to make up your mind. And you can't go visit the cross every Sunday morning and expect to be changed if you take the baggage back out with you. That's the reality. So what will you do today? Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be free? Do you want that open door that God has for you? Maybe it's healing and peace that you haven't had in years. Maybe you're struggling with a hurt that nobody knows about, but you're carrying it deep because you've got to be strong. Leave it at the altar and don't pick it back up. Let God heal you. And it starts right here. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across the room? Maybe that's you. And you've got baggage that you need to let go of. Say, Pastor, I'm tired. I'm weary of carrying this. I need freedom. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little bold today. I'm not going to have you come to the front, but you say, Pastor, I need to lay it down at the altar today. I don't care what it is. I don't care what those things are. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is that you're going to walk free today. You say, Pastor, I need to lay it down. I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet right where you are. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm tired of carrying it. I can't do it anymore. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a day to be free. Now I'm going to ask everyone else in the room to stand to your feet. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and say, Pastor, today I know that I'm not right with God. I know there's sin in my life and I need to make it right. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to do is slip up your hand and say, Pastor, remember me. If that's you, slip your hand up now and say, Pastor, I don't want to leave this place the same as I came in. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Now we're going to pray. And we're going to pray this prayer of repentance, but we're also going to ask God to strengthen us in this prayer. So if you raised your hand, tell somebody about the decision that you're making today. Who? You could tell us. We'd prefer you did so we can help you, so we can walk with you. You don't have to be alone. So here's what we're going to do. Simple prayer. Let's pray it together. You can pray after me. Dear Jesus, 
I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I know I'm forgiven and I'm new. Now, Lord, I'm setting down my sins. I'm laying down my baggage. I choose the cross. Now give me the strength to be who you've called me to be. I belong to you. And you are my strength from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can you give the Lord some praise across the house?